This is the Houston Coaches Podcast, where we honor the legacy of Houston area football and promote growth within the coaching profession through conversations with the greatest Houston area coaches of the past, present, and future. Brought to you by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Welcome to the Houston Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Gomez, and we're back with another episode in the hopes that we can use the wisdom and experiences of past and present Houston area coaches to help guide those of us who are now charged with leading programs of our own and are navigating through the rapidly changing landscape of high school football, as well as to leave a blueprint of success for those future campus and district leaders who are in the early stages of their journey. Our guest today is the one and only Sean McDowell, head coach of the Grand Oaks Grizzlies and friend of the podcast. Pleasure to have you on the show, Coach. Thanks for joining us. Man, I'm excited to be here, man. Uh, you know, when we started talking about this uh, earlier, uh, a couple of few months ago, I was like, man, he must be struggling for a guest if you want me to be on there. So I uh, I thought I'd take the opportunity to jump on there with you, man. I'm excited. <laughs> well, I sure appreciate it. Uh, now, if, if, to start off, you know, like we always do, can you please give us a brief rundown of your playing coaching career? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in the Fort Bend uh you know, Fort Bend ISD area, kind of like Sugar Land, Richmond, Rosenberg area. Uh, so I went to high school at, uh, at Austin High School. I really first started uh, my high school career at Kepner High School of Highway 6 and 90 back in there, back in the early 90s. Uh, and I played there for two years. Uh, and I was a split guard and a linebacker. Um, and then uh, my junior year, Austin High School opened up. So I, my neighbor and I had to move to Austin High School, where I graduated from uh, in 1997. And then uh, once my high school playing career was over, I had an opportunity to go play football at the United States Coast Guard Academy, uh, which I played fullback in the triple option and all that kind of stuff. And nice. we were good my freshman year, won the conference championship. Uh, so I've been around some winning, and then I started being around some some losing, especially when I started playing a lot more. We, we didn't <laughs> win as much <laughs> for some reason. And then uh, – but that was a great time, man. Uh, I love playing football, but I've always loved the game. So when I when I got out of the Coast Guard and had the opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, really find a job, I found my calling in, in, in high school football, man. So I became a high school football coach around 2003 at Bush High School. Uh, cool story. Coach Scott Molig, who is now the current AD in A-Leaf ISD, was my linebacker coach in high school who also was the head coach at Bush High School, who hired me on as a freshman coach. So it's kind of keeping in the family. So I was there nice. at Bush. It was an awesome experience. I, grew, I coached in the neighborhood I grew up in. I thought it was great. Uh, I was there from 2007 to 2012. No, excuse me, 2003 to 2007. And then in 2007, I got the job uh, to go to Cypress Creek High School as the offensive line coach, um, eventually become a coordinator. That's in 2007, 2012. In 2012, I got the head coaching job at Willow Ridge. Uh, and that was a great opportunity to kind of get back home a little bit in Fort Bend ISD for a second time. Uh, kind of a short stint there because uh, I got the Foster High School job in 2013. And I was at Foster High School for 10 years. Uh, and then uh, I left Foster in January of 23, and I came to Grand Oaks High School here in Conroe ISD. Man, I've been here ever since. Only been a year, but, man, I'm loving it. Never worked a day in my life, brother. <laughs> That's great. 
Now, let, let me ask you about, you know, you, t- t- you said you moved schools because they opened a new school uh, your junior year. How, how, how was that process back then? You know, I know because I've been, I've been a part of, you know, opening a new school and, you know, you always kind of get the, 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 the kids that, you know, kind of the other schools don't want, you know, necessarily. So, yeah, you know, but, it changed, you know, back in 95. So I went to Kempner High School from 93 to 95. And so back then, they, I don't know if they didn't care or what, but, man, if you lived in this neighborhood, by God, I, there you're going. Yeah. Uh, there was no senior exemptions or I think they did only a family exemption. But if you were a varsity player or anything, you still had to go. So, uh, you know, my neighborhood went, we all went, we played JV football as a junior and kicked everybody's butt and thought we were going to be pretty good as seniors, ended up going four and six, uh, played at the 5A level, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, looking back, I thought it was, you know, I thought I was like, man, it was kind of unfortunate because we were pretty good and be pretty good at Kempner if we just stayed all together. Yeah. Um, but also, that gives me kind of a unique perspective because I was at Bush when Travis opened, and then I was at, um foster when Fulcher opened you know so it's kind of like man i've been a part of it all now it's kind of par for the course especially yeah. down in that area you know so um just a unique perspective and that's what makes me wonder when at what point it changed because it does sound like it used to be just hey you're this is a new school you're going to this school and now it's more of a you know I, i'm sure there at some point there's some really good classes that your coach wanted to keep and they fought to, you know, to have those exemptions and, and all that to you know, try to preserve what, what they had built. And, and that's, you know, that's why now when you open a new school, there's a lot. It seems like there's a lot more choice, a lot more. Yeah, you know, I, I man, and the truth is, I don't even know when that really changed. I know um, when Fulcher opened up when I was at Foster and they said, you know, if they had a varsity letter and they had, or a family member, they could stay. Mm-hmm. And boy, let me tell you. We tried to letter everybody in wrestling and track that year. <laughs> so it just, you know, back in my back in '95, I guess it wasn't, or maybe it was an exemption. I just wasn't good enough to get that exemption. You know, so I, <laughs> it could have been either way. But uh, yeah, I think a lot more uh, political pressure, probably a little bit uh, parent pressure, because hey, my kid could be a four-year letterman at this school. You don't want to take that away from somebody. You know that kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah, I mean. A lot of them now are playing, uh, you know, Fulcher was like, uh, when they opened up, they were playing varsity athletics their first year, except for like the team sports, you know, yeah. and then the second year they, you know, they ended up all the other team sports except football or something like that. So it just depends on if it's open in an odd year, odd year or an even year uh, situation, but who knows, man. Right. Yeah. Those are all the little nuances that. Yep. Yeah, most people don't don't ever even get to see, but you know, That's once right. you've been in it, you know that there's a lot that goes into those new schools. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So obviously, you so you've had a you know a, a very successful coaching career, and you know we all know that n- nobody that's a successful coach ever gets there by themselves, you know, or, or without any help. So uh, tell us, you know, who some of your mentors were, uh, you know, the, as you as you came up through the ranks and, and who kind of taught you the the essence of, of what it meant to be a coach. Yeah, so I got to start and give props to my first boss, uh, Coach Scott Molick, who's the AD at A-Leaf ISD. I mean, I was around him. I mean, I, we ran the same system, so it was an easy transition for me to to go from a college player to back to high school because he ran the same offense we did when I was at, at basically at uh, at Austin High School. Even though I was at Bush, we kind of ran the same system. So it was easy to kind of go back in time and really kind of cut my teeth there, but I would say the big, the most influential guy that I've had in my coaching career, who I consider a mentor, a friend, 
he's a, he's really like a father figure to me. And, and if if he's listening, he can always claim me on his taxes because I try to. He's that old, <laughs> and I try to be around him as much as I can. But that's a uh, Greg McKeg over at at Side Creek, man. I he's a uh, he's probably been the most influential uh, to me as a coach. Um, I learned you know my offensive philosophy from him. Uh, you know I get daily weekly, monthly advice from him on how they're doing things. Uh, you know, he's helped me out being a part of a lot of uh, associations that I'm in, GHFCA, Texas High School Coaches, State 707 Board. Uh, he's really kind of, you know, paved the way, and I kind of followed his example for a lot of things that I do in my in my life and career. So I, I, that's probably my my guy right there. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, I get to – I get to – See Coach McKay quite a bit. You know, he's, he's in the same district as us. So yeah, I'm he's sorry. De- about definitely, that. you know, he's like he's a he's a burly guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love him, man. I you know I uh, I've been so happy with his success that he's had. It's hard to believe uh, the amount of coaching years he has in, and he's just a guy that I I, I I I love. I revere for him, and I cheer for him. Everything that he does, man, I'm fired up for him. Yeah, and he was he was a guest on our show a couple weeks ago as well. Yeah, that thing was about two hours long, man. And I had to. <laughs> <laughs> My man can talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, on the flip side of that, you know, as as you as you have be- been a head coach for for a while now, you've had some people that work you worked that worked for you, uh, who I'm sure you know has have aspirations to be a coordinator head coach one day. So how do you help those coaches uh, to try to develop them to be ready for the for those roles when they get to that chance? Man, now the big thing I think is one is you got to assign them something to do. Right, and then you let them do it, you, and then you gotta kind of inspect what you expect. You know, I, I'm not a micromanager by any means, uh, but I do like things a certain way, um, and I also go a certain way about getting things done that way. Um, and so I think you just gotta kind of put people in position, and you gotta trust them to do their job. Bottom line, um, and then also work. I let them work slowly, like. I am a guy that likes to, I could do a whole lot and I need to learn to do a better job of delegating. So when I find somebody mm-hmm. that I could trust and do some things, I do delegate some stuff. But some of this job is inherent of I'm just going to do it because that's just the way it is. Um, so I think the best way to grow people is, number one, they got to want to grow, number one. All right. Number two is that they got to be present in the things that I do. Uh, they can't, you know, they're not, they're going to not, if I'm in the weight room, you need to be in the weight room. If I'm in, on the field, you need to be in the field. If I'm going to a clinic, you need to come with me. Or if there's a way that you can be around the things that I do the most, I think that's the one you got to, you got to be present, you know, mm-hmm. and then you always got to be willing to learn and you can't be above the broom. You know what I mean by that? You got to be willing to get your hands dirty and you can't be better than to do the dirty jobs. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to do laundry. I know it sounds like a big deal, but if I can't trust you to do laundry, I ain't going to trust you to call plays on Friday night. You know, exactly. if you think you're too good to sweep this floor, um, you, you, you probably can't be in charge of much here. Um, so, but as far as growing people, man, a lot, a lot of it is just giving them responsibility and then letting them do it and then helping them along the way and adding more when they're ready for it. Yeah. That's, that's really great advice. And, uh, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's easy to to see which guys really want to, you know, to make a difference and which ones don't because, like I said, I mean, ultimately there, there's things that have to get done. You know, I mean, you, you can't uh, you can't afford to just ignore certain things because it's it's part of the process. And, and if somebody thinks they're too good to do that, those kind of things, or, or if they 
you know, taken for granted, then they're probably going to take some other things for granted that are important to, to the football side of things. You know, so it, it's very rare that you have somebody who's meticulous about their football stuff and doesn't care about, you know, what their desk looks like or, you know, or th- th- those little things that, that we all value so much. I agree. Uh, and what I've known, I've known, I haven't known a great offensive play caller who wasn't organized in their, in their life too. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. or a defensive guy who's meticulous about things and not, and not, uh, you know, always willing to do go above and beyond the things that need to get done. You know, I don't necessarily think you need to be the first person in and the last person to leave, but I think you're going to be present, you know, amongst the kids, present amongst uh, the associations that we're a part of, presence among clinics and uh, just being around and learn constantly learning and, and trying to do the most to be here and do your job the best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very well. Very well said. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about the, you know, obviously the, the coaching profession has evolved quite a bit, you know, in just in our career, you know, I've been, I've been coaching 20 years, you know, about, about the same as, as you have. And we've seen a lot of changes, you know, to, to, to the system and, and the format of what coaching means. Uh, so right now, what, what are some, some of the trends that you see happening, in, whether on the field or off the field, and, and what direction you think they're going to take our game? Well, I can tell you, on the field, uh, first part, I see, I see more people trying to get back to, uh, you know, a tight end fullback, you know, 21 personnel type stuff. Because uh, defensive have caught up. Man, the defensive guys are smart. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I was a big RPO spread guy for a long, long time, and we were really good at it. But, man, it's it's really hard to run RPOs. And when you have, you know, three deep, you know, five under, and you rush three, or, uh, you know, it just it's uh, so much going on and all these new defenses that are designed to take away the spread and take away the RPOs. And, and you know, I, I'm going to see if you can – now I'm going to see if you can play condensed, if you can play with a tight end. You know, play against tight end. Can you play with a fullback hitting you in the mouth kind of deal? Um, mm-hmm. so I see that kind of a trend being back. Man, I don't think fullbacks will be back like a high top and a neck roll type guy. But <laughs> I think uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's going to be a place for guys that, you know, that couldn't play linebacker but can play fullback. Or, you know, a guy that's a bigger running back, can block, kind of do all things, plus a tight end that can flex out plus be in, in line. You know, I could see that, that going back to, to force defenses – to, to defend all gaps, not defend everything from sideline to sideline, but defend mm-hmm. a, you know, a, B, C, D, E, F, and G gap, you know, and there'd be five people lined up, you know, just, I don't think it would go back to like the, you know, you said, well, maybe, I mean, you see some guys running the T, you see some guys running the slot T, a wing T. I'm a spread guy, but I think there's a mixture of elements that we can incorporate that could, they get best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. Uh, so and like offensively for sure. Right. And, you know, talking about like personnel wise, you know, those hybrid type guys, you know, it's almost like for a while there was there was no place in a spread offense for, you know, if you weren't, you know, the stud running back and you weren't fast enough to play receiver, then, okay, we'll put you, you know, we'll put make you a linebacker, you know, a strong safety or something like that. And right. But now, like you said, it's almost like they're we're going back to, okay, now let's let's find a place to use them because now we can be a lot more multiple. We can get in different formations with that guy that can, you know, flex from from one to the other and. And it gives your offense just a few more looks that you can counter, you know, what the what the defense has been giving you. Yeah, and, you know, defensive coordinators now, I mean, you get them older cats, got glasses and gray hairs and stuff like that. And, man, they are, they, they'll defend it all. But these new cats that are getting hired for uh, for defensive coordinator, man, all they've seen is the spread. That's all they know. So 10-person, yeah. double, trio, 
you know, trips open, trying to, uh, you know, sling it around, running screens, running RPOs. But you you put them in a condensed formation and you got to defend five gaps and you got, you know, and you got to defend counters and dudes are running open because, you know, they got to play coverage or they got they, you know, yeah. break the huddle and they can't call a play because they don't know a personnel group in their end. You know, oh my God, you know, people freaking out. <laughs> You know, I just think that's it's a circle, obviously, a circle of life in football. And I feel like we're we're moving that needle a little bit around to see if some things that are coming back. Yeah. The pendulum swing back the other way. Yep. yep. Uh, so, you know, so, so if you had your, you know, your choice, uh, what, what would be your, your favorite scheme or, or your, your kind of bread and butter that, that you that you go to whenever you get in a, in a tight situation? Well, if I had if I had no choice, like if I if I knew that I could none of my kids would revolt, you know, in this offense. And uh, and I have the utmost respect for guys that can run it and are good at it. Man, I'd run the I'd run the triple option like the service academies, like we did when I was in college. Uh, man, that is a thing of beauty when it's when it's flowing. Mm-hmm. You know, like those guys at uh, Port Lavaca and some other places that yeah. run that triple. I mean, it is dangerous. You got to prepare for it. You know, it's you can't replicate it. You know, the run game is unbelievable. You know, I mean, they kill you with the time possession. And when it's on, it is a thing of beauty. Um, it takes a it takes a commitment. It takes a different type of kid. It takes a knowledge of that. And so uh, I would probably run that because it makes us a little bit different, right? Uh, because it gives you three options on each play, right? I mean, you could yeah. get fullback, keep it by the quarterback, or pitch it out to your fast guy, you know? So who doesn't want that option every play? You know, so <laughs> – uh, it's very similar to what we do now. It just we just give it a different presentation. But I would probably run the triple option if I if I had my wish. Yeah. It, you know, there was no consequences. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's almost like it, it makes you a better coach because you can you know make a mistake with calling a play because you know the kids will make you right. You know? Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, they they know how to they execute it. You know? Based on numbers and, and you know, I mean, and then you're you're when they throw the ball, it's like, hey, I threw the ball five times. I completed four or uh, five passes for 90 yards and three touchdowns. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, but I ran for 500 yards that night. Like, ah, you know. So, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Because it's fun to watch, man. The old school Nebraska's when they were running that stuff. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I love watching Army and Navy when they used to get after that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Fun times. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I came up with, you know, with – Coach Patterson, Coach Carson, you know, the guys that were descendants of the Bill Smith, Alding tree. Oh, and, man. I mean, that, they were, you know, in, 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 in the early 2000s, you know, they were still running that very effectively. And, and, and so you talk, you, you start talking football with them and you can tell just how smart they are and how just you know, how well they know those systems. And, 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 that's, and that's what it takes. Like I said, it takes somebody that really understands it and can teach it the right way to these kids where, where they know that, that it's going to be effective. You know, you, it, it's, it sells itself once they see, actually see the results. But Oh, yeah. Man. It's not sexy. You know, you're going to watch it on Saturday, right? You know what I'm saying? You're probably going to watch it. You definitely ain't going to watch it on Sundays. But, you don't, you, you know, you ain't going to watch too much on Saturday. Like, Georgia Tech tried to run it and stuff. But, um, man, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's just as explosive and just as, as dominating as a, a spread offense that, today. But it just looks different and is different, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, as, as you're – you know, as you're, as you're preparing, you know, we're all preparing for next season. You know, we got our, our new realignment stuff. All that stuff is, is finalized now. So we're all just in the thick of off season and second sports and all that. 
So in your opinion, what's, what's the most important aspect of, of an off-season program or, or of your off-season program? Man, my thing is, obviously, we want to get bigger, faster, stronger, better. You know, we want to grow, grow these guys. You know, we want to challenge them and grow them mentally, physically, you know, spiritually, all that good stuff. Um, you know, but, like, we want to try to reveal their character because we want to see what type of dude they are before we have to put them in a pressure situation where we might need to, you know, uh, on a game type deal. So, like, if we know that we can't trust you to get three sets of eight at 75% on squat and you're cheating, then you're probably going to cheat on, on us on Friday night, too. You're not going to be in B-gap when we need you to be in B-gap type stuff, you know. So, mm -hmm. we really challenge them as men. And I really feel like all season is, you know, we have a boot camp type atmosphere the entire time. But it's not – I don't run a boot camp like them guys at Billville and some other places, which I'm not knocking. I think it's great, man. I just – Never really been a part of that. I just kind of in my the whole, you know, my military background just makes it like that the whole way. Not super boot camp. It's a little bit loose, but um, you know, I just really feel like teams that suffer together are become tighter together. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, we right now if, if one guy messes up, the entire period messes up. You know, like you got to pay for it. You know, or um, you know, we actually did something different this year. Here, my first year at Grand Oaks is like we made everybody wear their own gear. Like you can't wear anything that says Grand Oaks on it. I don't care if it's white. I don't care. You know, we're not doing, nobody looks the same um, because, you know, we weren't a team yet. We're not a team yet, but we're getting there. Uh, those guys are busting their butt. They're working their tails off, uh, you know, in the classroom and, and also on, on the weight room and the field and stuff and doing second sports and they're going to earn their clothes back. So, you know, and the way they earn their clothes back is they get good grades and be passing and then do a second sport. And so we're about to go in that first round of that. But all season is all about trying to develop and create a team so that we can be successful together as we move forward throughout the rest of the year. You know, yeah. trying to create that bond individually, but also as a team. So it's it's 45 minutes of organized chaos is what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that with that team building aspect. You know, absolutely. The focal point for sure. Um, we're going to, so, so obviously, like you're, you're making your mark there, you know, at, at Grand Oaks and in Conroe ISD. But uh, you know, you, you you said you've really enjoyed your time there. So, uh, can you tell us some of the things that, that make that community special? Yeah, so it's it's a relatively new uh, community. I mean, before Grand Oaks was built, uh, this place kind of went all this neighborhoods and stuff went to Oak Ridge. Um, which is about 20, 25 minutes away. So um, Grand Oaks community, really, honestly, the hub of this community is Grand Oaks High School. We host so many events and things throughout. I think we're open up. Like, we don't ever close our doors, right? And, uh, there's all kinds of things going on here every day of the week. Um, it's, it's, so it's got some establishment to it, but it's also very new. Um, Grand Oaks being uh, six to seven years old, I think opened up in 2018, uh, you know, so everything still feels kind of new. It's not completely settled in when you're going against, you know, the Woodlands has been open for 40 years and Conroe has been open for 100 years. You know, like, hey, guys, we've been open for six, you know, so we're still trying to figure it out. But it's, man, we got everything you need up here, man. You got great housing. You got great restaurants. Not too far from, you know, the Woodlands. You can go out to eat and, and do shopping and stuff. We're not too far from New Caney, right off 99. I really love it. Just bought a house here not too long ago. Uh, you know, um, we love it. My family does. And, and uh, I, I know I'm blessed to be here. Um, we got some challenges football wise. Uh, and, but those kids are meeting those challenges. And we just won the state 
volleyball championship here. Yep. You know, so there's some great things going on here, man. I'm I'm just super fired up to be a part of it. And Connor ISD is a great district to work for. Uh, so I feel like I've hit the gold mine once again, man. Very lucky in my career. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. You know, I live on the north side of town as well, and, and and it is. I mean, it just kind of gets your attention when you're driving that Grand, Grand Parkway and you, and you see that, you know, big, beautiful building there, and it, it catches your eye for sure. And, and, I mean, like I said, all that is new. Everything back there, you know, was did not exist 10 years ago. That's right. Uh, and know, it's, it, all those neighborhoods, all, all everything around there is. Yeah, man, and, you know, like the scenery is amazing, like as far as all the mm -hmm. trees and stuff and like. Yeah, when we go back home to Richmond Rosenberg, Sugarland. I'm like, oh man, it's no trees out here. You know, it's like <laughs> ah, it's like the scenery and the reserves, and man, just all the trees and stuff. And I've had, I've really struggled in the woodlands, like finding things because I don't see nothing yeah. but trees, you know. And so I love it up here. Uh, I'm a, I'm always gonna be south side till I die. But man, right now I live in the north side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do miss my most city, Sugarland cats and Richmond Rosenberg, but uh, you know. Hey, man, we all grow and move on, so I'm up here now. Yeah. I, I grew up in Katy, and somebody pointed that out to me. They, they were like, how come there's no trees out there? And, and I was like, you know what? I, I never thought of that. You know, and then you say you live on the north side, and it's just, you know, it's called the woodlands for a reason. I mean, there's yeah. trees everywhere. Yeah. And, and yeah, but it does, you know, like the baseball fields, softball fields, when you got, you know, those big trees behind the – the, the outfield fence. I mean, it's all of it. It just it gets a very picturesque look. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful, man. I'm like I said, uh, man, the sky just is different up here, man. You know, it's it's definitely different on the north side, no doubt. And so yeah. I, I'm I'm blessed to be up here. Yeah, uh, and you know, so, and you have you have experience, you know, on, on multiple sides of town. But someone put a little little pressure on you, uh, and, and this is a question that trips up everybody. But right. uh, if you had to narrow it down, who would you say the top three high school players you've been able to watch in person are? Ooh-wee. All right, so the probably the reason why I'm, I am who I am today and people know who I am uh, is because I coached a kid named CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, he was probably the best overall football player I have ever seen in my life, man, straight up. Like, he could do it all. Um, he, I tell people he's, like, playing in the Matrix, man. He could see it coming before, he's, before it happened. He's reading different ones and zeros. And obviously with the Cowboys now, people are, the whole world is seeing what he can do. Uh, yeah. So he could just do any position. So my number one guy is always C.D. Lamb. Shoot, number two, probably Kyler Murray. If you ever seen Kyler Murray play, he was amazing. He probably might be the best quarterback that ever played in Texas high school football mm -hmm. uh, history, man. The thing he was able to do, he could run, he could throw. He was amazing. Hence, he's still playing. And then, you know, recently, I'm blessed uh, because I'm on the touchdown club of Houston player of the year nominated committee. So I get to see like the Houston's best every year. And i tell you what, um, I didn't get a chance to see him there this year because uh, it's so far north. But, man, DJ Lagway is probably one of the better high school football players and quarterbacks I've seen play, honestly. Uh, you know, short-term memory here. But, like, that guy was amazing what he was able to do. And, and, and they did a great job with him at Willis. And uh, I say DJ Lagway is up there for me because I was just watching him and, and throw the ball well and, and just do things with his legs. Ain't nobody doing that, man. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that he'll be day one starter at Florida next year in the SEC. So those would be my top three right now. He'll put yeah. me on the spot. You know? <laughs> That's a great list. Yeah, and, and, and you, get to, I mean, you get to play against Lagway. You know? And so it's a little different when, you know, you, sometimes you might catch somebody one time and, and – 
and, and you're impressed. But, you know, when you see, you know, the trade film and, and you get to watch it multiple times and you just see the, the you know, the, the, the consistency of, of a guy like that, you know, yep. that, yep. Uh, it, it just top to bottom, it just seems like they're just got no, no flaws in, the, in their high school game. And, and so it's exciting to see those guys and, and, and watch how they grow in their careers. We tried to find them, man. We tried to give them the business, but it didn't work, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're not the only one. <laughs> they, they had a great run uh-huh. up there in Willis. Uh, so now my final question, and, and this is, you know, what the, what the whole podcast is based on. This is where this idea even stemmed from. But, uh, you know, we're, we're all guys who, who, who spend a lot of time coaching here in the Houston area, and we're very proud of it. Uh, but if, if you met somebody who had never been around Houston high school football, uh, how would you try to explain the legacy and, and the history of of the of this sport uh, to that person? Man, I would say like everything has started with with um, with the knowledge and the passion, not only by the community, but by we've had some some outstanding leaders and coaches that have come through that paved the way to be where we are today, as far as not just football coaches, but superintendents and principals. And obviously it's a tradition thing here, man. It is just like you would see on any Friday Night Lights movie or TV show or anything like that. I mean, you got the amount of people that go into just to have one football game is enormous. And the logistics and the leadership behind that is just outstanding. I mean, you have just the, the some of these coaches, the head coaches in this uh, area in Houston, and really in the state. But I think Houston does it the best. I mean, we could all run Fortune 500 companies. Um, we could lead sales teams and multi-million-dollar sales forces. I just think the leadership and the passion that we have, not only for the game but for kids in general, is second to none in Houston. Um, I think we do it the best. I think we got the best, uh, you know, the best schools. I think we got the best area for football and I think we've got the best players and I think that if anybody wanted to come to Texas and particularly Houston I think they would see an outstanding product they would see uh, students with passion and excitement for the game and they would see some some outstanding players play uh, the best game in the world so that's my two cents on that <laughs> yeah, very very well said and I said it, it's it's fun it's, it's exciting and uh, you know, we said those of us who, who, have, who have been here, we, we you know, I, I personally don't want to go anywhere else. I, I think it's, it's such a such a, such a great tradition and, and just excited to be a part of it and to continue to, to help, try to help grow it. And like I said, that, that's why, that's why we're, we're doing this, this show, you know, it's hopefully to, to try to document some of those great things that are happening and try to try to help the ones, the young ones that are, that are coming up to, to learn a few things from from all those, those great ones that have been here before. Absolutely, man. I'm 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 blessed to be a part of it, and I don't take it very lightly. That, that's right. That's right. Well, coach, it's, it's been an absolute honor to have you uh, share your wisdom with us today. Uh, it's always great to be around you, you know, and uh, yeah, I wish you all the best. Definitely, this off season, and I uh, can't wait to see you again soon. Yes, sir. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you soon, very soon, like always. That's right. All right. Thanks, coach. Got it, man. Thank you. If you have a recommendation for a guest to have on the Houston Coaches Podcast that can help us continue to impact young men and women through the power of positive coaching, please email your suggestion to HoustonCoachesPod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at CoachesHouston and send us your suggestions there. You can catch a new episode every Friday on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Houston Coaches Podcast, presented by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Our theme song is In the Battle of Good and Evil by Ryan Davis, a former high school football coach. Please subscribe to our show and leave us a review so we can continue to spread our message to a larger audience. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation about Houston area football and its impact on all those privileged to be a part of it.